Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Saber Talk podcast. This is Mark Geis and Josh Eppinger. And we're here to uh, we're here to discuss a five game stretch. We weren't able to come to you last weekend. I know that I wasn't feeling great, ended up sleeping most of that day away, and we ended up not being able to to come together to make the podcast, but we'll have a couple extra games to talk about here and it'll probably be a longer episode than we normally have. So I'll get right into the recap, and then we'll throw it over to Josh. He's going to start wherever he wants to start out and go from there. That's become kind of our uh, kind of our formula here. So the Sabers now sit at 21, 20, and 10 with 52 points after this most recent five-game stretch. Sports Club Stats has their playoff chances at about 12% right now, which is a slight uptick over where we were during our previous podcast. They're about in that same, you know, one in ten chances at, at this point though so the first game in this stretch was tuesday january 24th the sabers went to nashville this ended up being a five to four overtime win eichel had two goals in the win including a hi- highlight real goal in overtime probably if not the best sabers goal of the year one of the most exciting goals of the year for the team sabers came came back from down four to two late in the third period with Gianta scoring with about six minutes left, and then Oposo scoring kind of a chip-type goal with the goalie pulled with about a minute left to force overtime. Gergensen scored the other goal for the Sabres in the win. Philip Forsberg, Cody McLeod, Victor Arvidsson, and James Neal scored the four goals for the Predators, and Leonard came out with the victory in this one. He had 35 saves on 39 shots, and... This is probably the only game throughout this stretch where I could say Leonard played uh, poorly or mediocre. The, the McLeod goal was pretty weak. He wasn't hugging the post tight enough. The Arvidsson goal was, was pretty weak as well. He gave up a rebound right in front of him, and then Arvidsson was able to, to squeak it through. Uh, so then the Sabres went to Dallas on Thursday the 26th, and the Stars came out of this one with a 4-3 to victory. Got some revenge after the Sabres had beaten them 4-1. to a little over a week before the Sabres were really pummeled in the in the first and second periods I don't have the exact shot differential in front of me but it was something like 31 to 11 something like that after the first two periods and especially the second period was pretty brutal they'd managed to come out of the first period up two to one but then came out of the second period down four to three and then weren't able to to, to get that equalizing goal in the third period. The big story in this one was the officiating. We'll probably talk more about this later, but there were three separate instances in the third period that we could point to that people all over online were, were getting on the refs about. So one was a potential goal by Reinhardt that was reviewed and called no goal. This was with about nine minutes left. The puck was under Kerry Lettinen with the majority of his body in the net, and he gets up, and the puck is clearly over the goal line, but you can't see it on the review that the puck actually crossed the goal line, so they called it no goal. That was the first instance. Second instance, there was a horrendous holding call on Zach Bogosian with a little over two minutes left to put the Predators or to put the Stars up uh, on the power play, and then the Sabers had a had a furious rush at the end, and there was another potential goal pretty much as time expired where the puck blends in with Lettinen's pad and you can't quite see it over the net you can't tell the pucks there but kind of through deduction you can tell it's probably over the goal line but they ended up calling that no goal as well Uh, so that was the big story after this one Evander Kane scored twice in this game also had an assist while Matt Molson scored the other goal 
and Anders Nielsen took the loss in net with 33 saves on 37 shots. For the Stars, Patrick Sharp scored twice, and Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan had the other two goals. Uh, so then we go into the All-Star break. Sabres had a few days off. Kyle Oposo goes to the All-Star game. Everybody else gets some much-needed time off, and they come back on Tuesday the 31st. And this game was just ugly overall. It was a 5-2 to loss to Montreal. <clears throat> Montreal came out. With a 5-0 lead, the Sabres scored a couple goals late to make the score look a little bit more respectable. But Max Pacioretty had a hat-trick. Paul Byron, David Dayarnay also scored in this one. And then Kulikov and Gianta had those two goals late in the third. And probably the big story coming out of this one was Zach Bogosian was on the ice for all five goals against. And they were all even-strength goals. So he came out of this a, a minus five. And all five of the goals I really can't blame Leonard four. The score could have been much worse than this one. That's how badly they were outplayed. And it was just defensive breakdown after defensive breakdown. When they come back Thursday, the second playing another very good team in New York and the Rangers end up winning this one, two to one in overtime. And this was a, this was more exciting. I think than the, than the score would indicate the two to one score would indicate Robin Leonard had 42 saves on 44 shots. Zuccarello scored the Rangers sole regulation goal in the first period and then Cody Franson scored with about five minutes left in the third period to force overtime and then Chris Kreider ended up scoring in overtime it was technically an even strength goal but it was right after a power play had expired so the Sabres were still basically down four to three on the ice and I can pin this goal kind of on Eichel getting caught flat-footed and Kreider beat him back door had a one-timer goal Uh, nothing Leonard could really do on that one Zach Bogosian ended up leaving with an injury in this one after what looked like a fairly routine hit into the boards in the first period, and he's not making the trip to New Jersey, so he's going to at least be out for a little while here. Will Carrier also went down with a knee injury in this one, so Justin Bailey was called up after the game uh, to to join the Sabres. And then that Bogosian injury ended up resulting in Bristolainen playing huge minutes. He had about 33 minutes of ice time in this one. Kulikov had about 27, and Franson had 25. So they were playing 5D the rest of the game after that. And then yesterday, uh, this was probably the, the most fun game in this stretch. The Sabres won 5 to nothing, or 4 to nothing. sorry, uh, against the Senators. Robin Leonard had his first shutout of the season, 37 saves, and he was tremendous. I'm sure Josh is going to have some points about Robin Leonard. Uh, and then... For the Sabres, Oposo, Ryan O'Reilly, Sam Reinhardt, and Marcus Foligno all scored for the Sabres. Foligno also had a, had a fight in this one that was pretty entertaining. And Eichel also had two assists. Jake McCabe and Josh Georges returned to the lineup. They pushed Taylor Fadoon to, to the press box. And then the Bogosian injury, that was the other defenseman they replaced. So that's the quick recap, or as quick as I could make it. Josh, we're going to push it to you. And take this yeah. wherever you want to go. <clears throat> All right. Well, um, well, first things first. I want to just flash back to that Nashville game real quick, and uh, just thinking about the tying goal that Kyle Oposo scored with with uh, about a minute and five seconds left to the game. I want to give all the credit to Sam Reinhart on that play. Um, Reinhardt is coming down in the zone. PK Zubin and, and behind the uh, the Predators net. PK Zubin is making a backhand pass off the boards to the off his his defensive partner and Reinhardt reads this 100% knocks the puck off, off the off the boards on the ground throws it from the net um it goes off of a uh, Nashville's goalie 
and it get, gets a good bounce to um, Oposo to tie that game. That game was a, a lot of fun for me to watch. Uh, that was, I mean, that and uh, that and last night's game were the two best of this stretch of games. And I mean, just a lot of action um, against in Nashville that night. Uh, I felt the Sabers were the better team in that game. Uh, Leonard, you said that was Leonard's uh, most mediocre performance out of all these games. I'd have to agree with you, but I mean. He's play, he was playing in front of a depleted defense. Uh, not having Jake McCabe, uh, Josh George's, uh, Zach Bogosian's coming back and getting playing time for the first time the the first time in a while. So that's not a, a defense that's uh, gonna anyone in the NHL is gonna talk about. Yeah, and I think the uh, that's evidenced by. Kulikov making his return and then they play him 24 minutes I believe in that game so that that defensive core was so depleted that they had to bring a guy back from injury and immediately throw him back into playing 24 minutes so that's definitely a, a great point um, and it's not like Nashville is a poor offensive team either they've got a lot of offensive depth a lot of weapons so uh, if that's if that's Leonard's worst game in a five game stretch I think we're doing pretty well Absolutely, absolutely. Um, he's 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 been pretty lights out lately. Um, especially you know it's easy to say that after a game like last night where he really took control of that entire game. I know the Sabers did give him some um, some run support last night against the Senators, but um, he's been he's been the one of the best uh, bright spots of this team lately. With um, I was actually surprised in Dallas that um, Coach Biles would decide to go with Anders Nelson. Me and you talk so much about riding the hot hand and our goaltender, and Leonard was that guy. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why Biles would decided to play Nielsen in that Dallas game, but I was very, I was very confused because Nielsen looked pretty terrible actually to me in that game, and. Uh, I mean, just being out of the crease by God knows too much, just being way out of position. Uh, I was not impressed by Nilsson showing at all in Dallas. I actually was in favor of maybe when the game got to uh, when Sharp Bennett Sharp scored in the. It, well, when they scored all their goals after that. I said, "Does Bilesma pull this? Uh, pull Nilsson?" sent a message to his team that they were up 2-0 and now they're down. It didn't happen, but um, I was looking for Leonard to come back and now I was confused why Biles mode to play Nielsen at that game. Yeah, well, that's what I thought too. I, I can't say I was completely surprised by Nielsen getting the start because Leonard didn't play great in the prior game, in the in the Predators game. And I guess if, if you don't play Nielsen in that game, then Nielsen's going you know, weeks without starting because you have the all-star break. So I can kind of understand why they why they decided to start him. But I completely agree with you that at that juncture in the game, probably coming out in the third period, I I would have thought about switching my goaltenders up and, and putting Leonard out there, if for nothing else, than to just try to spark your team. And yeah, I think a lot of coaches and- would have decided to do that in that situation. I think, and also too, I think that uh, going back to the Nashville game, yeah, Leonard didn't have the greatest showing ever, but 
we're talking about a, a great offensive team. I mean, a great team in general, the National Predators. When you got guys like um, Philippe Forsberg and James Neal and um, Johansson, um, we uh, that I mean, this is one of the better hockey teams in the NHL. So to go out and let four goals in, and he still gave his team a chance to win, which they did in overtime. I think that uh, we need to. I I think we just we should have kept on Ryan the hot hand. I know uh, we're playing in the West Coast. We're on the West Coast trip. We're uh, the family's there, so you know parents are there. So maybe he wanted to give his his uh, son a, uh, I mean Nielsen a chance to play in front of his father if that's who he took our mentor or whoever. Um, I still think you play your hot hand, and I mean. Th- where the Sabres are this season, every game is so crucial. We need to win game after game. We need to put games together. And we I think the best way to do that is right in our hot hand. That's I I know I'm kind of yeah, ranty. I tend to I tend to think that that way as well. And I wouldn't have had any problem with starting Leonard in that game. I I guess my point more was that it at least was defensible starting Nielsen but I think going into the all-star break then you know okay Leonard's gonna have the weekend off uh he's gonna have what four four days off so yeah we can start him again and then come back and he should be fresh so it shouldn't really matter who you start in that other game both goaltenders should should come back fresh it will be interesting to see what they end up doing this week and I have to think probably Leonard gets three of the four games this week they've got the back-to-backs against the Devils and the Sharks tomorrow and Tuesday. So probably Nielsen gets one of those. But I think, like you said, you've got to be riding your hot hands. So you've got to play Leonard for at least the other three, if not all four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you don't want to get him tired or anything, but, you know, we we got to we gotta put a, a streak in here if we want to go get in the, get in the playoff consideration again. I mean, we're uh, – we played Ottawa last night, and they were ten. They're second place in our division somehow, uh, with ten more points than us. So I mean, we need to put some games together if we want to get in this conversation. Because I don't want to put them in this conversation yet. Yeah, yeah. I think as of now, say the say the trade deadline was this week or something. You would have to be selling. Uh, your extra pieces you'd have to be selling Cody Franson and Brian Gianta and Dmitry Kulikov because there are just so many teams in front of you that you have to leap and you're chasing probably Toronto's the team that you're chasing right now I know they're not technically in a playoff spot but you have Boston who's in third place in the division and they have 58 points in 55 games Toronto's played five fewer games has just one one less point so Toronto's that team you're chasing. So they've played one fewer game than the Sabres and are five points ahead. And that's, at this point in the season, a pretty big deficit, especially when you have however many teams in front of you that you have to leap over to get there. So um, Florida's been hot. You know, Detroit, they've been kind of meandering along much like the Sabres, but you've got to leap both of those teams and Boston and then get ahead of Toronto to get into that third that third place spot. That's it's a huge undertaking at this point. Yeah, and you've got to get and you've got to get ahead of Boston. Um a tie isn't gonna get you anywhere because you've lost all four games you play them this year already this season. So I mean, you gotta get actually ahead of them. A tiebreaker is uh a complete 
this thing didn't do you anything. So, um, yeah, tr chasing Toronto is definitely kind of where I've been aiming at too. Um, they've been playing well. They actually beat Boston last night in overtime. Did you uh, see any of that game? Uh, there was a um, Matt Martin, uh, Dennis McQuaid fight I watched earlier today. Wow, those are two heavy headers. Dennis McQuaid. Dennis McQuaid, not Adam. <laughs> Adam McQuaid. McQuaid. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, Dennis McQuaid. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I did not see any of the game. No, no, I did not. Wow. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was uh, definitely awesome. My my man uh, Dennis <laughs> uh, actually uh, laid Martin out. I was a. Uh, that's a. That's an old school brawl brawl right there. Yeah, two um, big guys, definitely. Yeah, it was fun to watch. Um, I should have watched that game, but did not because it's so important. You know, two divisional rivals, two teams you got to pass. I was watching kind of, a little bit of the Washington LA game before we started this, but that was pretty much an embarrassment. Four to nothing. Washington was up. Seems like every time I try to tune into games around the league, they end up being completely lopsided like that. Yeah. Bruins Lisa went to overtime. Um one of those games you just kinda wish uh the arena gets filled with water. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know yeah, who to was, root for at all in that in that game. No, absolutely not. Um, but uh, you know, it's interesting. Where you brought up a trade deadline earlier. Uh, a, a team, the Sabers are a team that I think most analysts are considered to be sellers at this uh, deadline. Uh, what do you think about that, Mark? I would hope so. It looks like it's going to be a seller's market because so many teams are still in the race in both conferences that if you you know, if you make the decision that we're going to sell, we're not you know, our first priority isn't isn't to make the playoffs. I think the prices for those pieces that you have, those rental pieces that you have will be stronger than normal because I think just the way the standings are, especially in the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference is a little bit more Lopside. I mean, you have Arizona and, and Colorado that are clearly out of it. You can't really say the same about any team in um, in the Eastern Conference. But besides those two teams, everybody is in it, basically. It's, it's like I said, pretty similar to the Eastern Conference beside those two, uh, besides those two teams. So if the Sabres make that decision to sell, they've got some pieces that I think could garner some value. Uh Brian Gianta, he's he's been a pretty valuable player so far this year. Uh, he's up among the leaders. He may be leading the Sabres in even strength points so far this year. I think he has like 22 or 23 even strength points. Uh, he's been kind of doing it all, been a, a nice fixture on the third line. Cody Franson, I think, has hopefully improved his stock around the league recently, been playing more minutes, I think been more good than bad. He's had some bad stretches. He... He didn't have a, a good Montreal game either. You know, Bogosian was the was the worst offender in that game, but Cody Francis did not have a very good game either. And then Dmitry Kulikov should garner interest with or without whatever injury issues he has. Somebody will be willing to pony up some sort of price for him to try to add a 20-plus minute defenseman to a cup run. So I hope that they're sellers. What uh, what do you think? Um, I definitely see them as sellers. Uh, I I I would like to I would like to see them you know get rid of these get rid of these, some of these pieces uh 
um, a friend of mine came down to the bar and he wanted to talk hockey with me a couple of days ago. And he was talking about, I mean, the Islanders who have actually been playing pretty decently um, compared to their uh, the, their first half of the season. Well, their first quarter of the season, at least. And uh, talking about, you know, the Sabres should be uh, buyers on John Travaris. And I just couldn't, I couldn't really think about it. And he's, I couldn't think that that would be a, a position that the Sabres would ever be in. And uh, he just kept on talking my ear about it. And, you know, the Sabres aren't going to be buying anything. They're going to be trying to get rid of some pieces, get some picks, stockpile, maybe uh, get some picks and make some moves for uh, the the offseason. Like uh, Murray likes to get his, uh, get his value and then be able to make package deals for players possibly this offseason. We'll uh, have to see about that. Well, yeah, that's what I would like to do. Have as much flexibility as possible going into the offseason, especially with the expansion draft and the position that the Sabres are in. Looking at how poorly Zach Bogosian has played recently, and it's it's continued to sour my opinion on him being a long-term piece here. I know that probably an expansion, his contract, Vegas isn't going to want to take him. But you could easily leave him unprotected and then use that other defensive slot to go out and try to trade for somebody that another team is is leaving exposed so that they would get some value for him rather than just leaving leaving that player exposed to go to Vegas. So I'd love to have a lot of picks to to maneuver with. They're going to need to make at least one addition on the back end this offseason. Uh and the more ammo you have, the better. Or you can you can use it in the draft to move up and get somebody you want, or you know to to, to do the types of things that that they're going to need to do this offseason to have a shot next year. So more ammo, the better. And you can get some young guys up, get them a little more exposure this year. I don't think that you know they could still try to make a run for the playoffs even without those those three pending unrestricted free agents i would say it's still a long shot without them but i think that's that's the right way to go you should not be making any sort of moves to try to improve your chances just this year if there's some sort of hockey trade out there where you get a young player that can be with you moving forward then i'd be all for that but there usually aren't that many of those types of trades out there at the deadline yeah yeah um and that Bogosian contract is – I was thinking about this on my ride home from work the other day about how bad that contract is for our team and how that this could be – that contract could be a killer, really, if we, you know, if we got to end up paying him that entire contract. I don't think there's a, a good time to buy that contract out. That um, that might make that, that trade winnable for Winnipeg going all that, all the way back. Um, that Bogosian is we are stuck paying Bogosian this contract for all these years. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's getting progressively harder to see that trade as a win for Buffalo. Though Evander Kane's performance since he came back has at least I think improved how it's looked from from a Buffalo end. But we'll probably see how all those picks and prospects end up panning out for Winnipeg. Armia has become at least a a passable NHL player there, and he should only get better. Uh, we still have to see how Brennan Lemieux ends up, you know, what what he ends up turning into, um, and what the pick ends up turning into. So we'll see on that one. But I, I do not like being stuck with that contract, and I would not care at all if they leave Bogosian exposed. 
if Vegas wants to take him, to. <laughs> great. If not, you know, if they don't take him, then you have another slot, and there's value in those slots for expansion to be able to, to trade for guys for other teams that say they have five defensemen that they'd like to protect, but you know they can only protect three of them. Maybe they'll be looking to move one of them for a little less than they normally would because they don't want that guy getting taken in the expansion draft and, and lose him for nothing. So it'll be interesting to watch, and just more ammo is is what I want right now. I don't really care about making a run at the playoffs this year, and I don't think it's realistic to think that this team is going to make a run at the playoffs. No, definitely not. Um in, and we're looking at some of the guys on our team. Uh, you were bringing this up earlier to me, Mark, um, with you know guys like Ristolainen and uh, Ryan O'Reilly. We that we're uh, halfway through the season, and these guys look tired. Uh, they're, uh, they're they've been putting in some hard minutes, playing a, a hard, tough game, and uh, just it, the last few weeks it hasn't been looking good. I thought after the All-Star break, they might come back and look a little more energized, but uh, not so much. Yeah, it's it's the same exact pattern that they went through last year. And with Ristolainen, it makes sense because of all the injuries they've had on the back end. I get there's a huge trade-off there. You know, it's either you're playing Justin Falk huge minutes for some of these stretches of time, or you're overloading Ristolainen with minutes. But the O'Reilly... You know, the O'Reilly minutes, there's not really an excuse for that. Yes, they've had some injuries up front here and there, and I get that certain guys are producing, others aren't. Johan Larson is out for the season. That doesn't help things. But his ice time over this this most recent stretch, it's just not sustainable for him to play like this. He, he never played like this over the course of an entire season in Colorado, and he broke down playing these types of minutes last year and was not himself down the stretch. So his ice time over this most recent stretch – 24 minutes, 22 minutes, 21 minutes, 23 minutes, 20 minutes. I don't care who you are, you're going to get you're going to get overloaded playing those types of minutes. And then Ristolainen, I took note of of these as well. 30 minutes, 29 minutes, 26 minutes, 33 minutes, 25 minutes. The 33 minutes was because Bogosian got hurt in that game. So that one is a little bit of an outlier, but still playing playing him 27 28 minutes a night is is crazy and He's not going to be able to keep up, keep up a high level of play, playing those types of minutes, all uh, all game every night. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, think about uh, think about taking your uh, dog on a walk and just and letting him run and run and run. I used to let my dog pull me around on my skateboard uh, a few years back, and you know he could run around the block once with me carrying my. Uh, heavy butt on the on the board and he, he was he was uh he was pooped after that and they're doing this stuff wrist aligning because you know they honestly don't i don't think they have a choice they have been doing it to him all season with the injury inju- with injuries to kulikov injuries to bogosian injuries to george's um injuries to mccabe it hasn't made it easy on this team and then we got to give guys like justin falk uh, plenty of ice time. I'm surprised the Sabres were able to play of Nashville with that defensive core. That was what really surprised with that defensive uh, six uh, a couple weeks ago. That was one game that really surprised me. I keep on going back to that, but I mean to play a friend those teams, from those guys, and only letting four goals is pretty impressive. 
Yeah, I mean, I think all things considered, the defensive play of this team has been better than I would have expected. If you would have told me how there would be constant injuries, where Bogosian would have been in and out of the lineup, where McCabe would have been out for stretches of games, uh, where Kulikov would have missed a large portion of the season and wouldn't have been himself for a lot of when he returned, um, I would have thought they they played worse defensively or they would have played worse defensively than they actually have. So I'm not trying to take too much away from them. I think Ristolainen's been a big part of that. Uh, but I think now, especially getting some of these guys back healthy, I think you need to start thinking about erring on the side of caution with Ristolainen, even if that means giving some other guys more time than you would like to otherwise. McCabe, I believe, only played 18 minutes in his return. Uh, so giving him you know, his 21, 22, 23 minutes and being able to, to bring Ristolainen down from 27, 28 to maybe 25, I think would be ideal. Uh, we'll see how it ends up being played out, but I just want Bilesman to learn from what happened last year. And these guys that came out playing at such a high level to start the year ended up wearing down and not being this, not being quite the same high-level players that they had been earlier in the year. And that's what we seem to be seeing right now. It's just a repeat. It's, it's deja vu. But there's not an easy choice to be made. It's not like there it's not like there's somebody you can point to and say, oh, well, you know, you have this other high-level defenseman that you can just give more minutes to. It's it's not quite that easy. No, no. He's um, He's been a workhorse, so, you know, Risto, I don't think he had a very good night or anyone on the defensive six against Montreal had a good night. But uh, he let up some plays, and I look at him, I'm like, well, what do you expect? You know, it's I'm watching the game, and I want to be mad, but you can't be mad at him. The guys, the guys carried this team, this whole defensive squad on his back all year long, and if he breaks down, I think you're right. You just give someone else an opportunity to play. Get, let save him. You know, you don't want to kill him. He's only 22 years old, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure 22. Yeah, and. Uh, and you you don't want to just beat beat a guy to death like that. We we, we just signed him to a, a big deal. We wanna we wanna keep him healthy. If we keep on playing him like this, who knows what can happen in the future to him. Yeah, and that's I mean that's the real scare is something long term happening to one of these guys. Because that has happened to other players throughout NHL history. You know, they, they get leaned on too much over a period of a couple seasons and it just breaks down their body, and it gets harder and harder to regenerate as you as you get older. I know wrist alignment at 22, there's probably not a huge risk of that happening, but you never know. I mean, you never know, too, what it can do to a guy's psyche if he's playing on a bad defense, and he's he's got to play 28 minutes a night, and they're getting shelled every night. That Not saying that's what's happening here, but um, you, you have the danger of, of that happening with him in the past, I think. I think he's mentally tough enough to handle it, but it's more the physical side that I would – I don't want to take too many risks by continuing to, to just berate him like this, continuing to, to put this much on his shoulders. Yeah. Um, so, uh, for a change of topic, we mentioned, you mentioned it earlier in your, uh, in your, um, recap and, uh, going back to that Dallas game, uh, a game that we were up, Sabres were up two to zero. And it was just one of those times when the Sabres get up 2-0 to zero early in the first period, and it's happened multiple times this year. And the t- 
team, you, you just have that feeling like we need to we need to go back out there in the second period and play these guys, and they got pummeled, and uh, the game came down to like you mentioned the Reinhardt goal that um, was it Nemi or Letton in that came in in the second and uh, it was it was Letton and they they took out Niemi. Yeah. Yeah, so Lennon uh, gets the get gets the save on the puck. He, his body's in the net, and he's over the puck. And they Sabres thought that that was a goal, but uh, there wasn't enough evidence to to uh, overturn anything. And then uh, and then we get the Zach Bogosian call, uh, holding call, weak holding call on um, Jason Spezza, our um, favorite. Yeah, every Sabres fans, uh, every every Sabre fan got that guy's uh, poster hung up in their room, <laughs> and uh, and um, with about two minutes and five seconds left, uh, that really kind of hurt us bad there, and we uh, that really kind of ended the game. But then the Sabres were hot on the shot on the pursuit for a goal, and uh, with a couple seconds left. Um, the puck was thrown at the net. It looked like it bounced. It looked like it bounced off uh, Lettinen's pad over the blue line and then back out uh, over the goal line and back out. Uh, I've watched a lot of hockey games this year, and this was about the worst officiating crew I have seen. And I'm saying from linesmen to referees, no one seemed to be on the right page. After anything, it took them. It took them so long to just clear things up. No one was on the same page together, and uh, you know, just for as a as a professional standpoint, standpoint, the, I think that the NHL should be ashamed of going back and watching this, these referees do their job that night. Yeah, well, definitely the both of those reviews they took so long. I'm especially pointing to uh, the review of the the Reinhardt no goal, but it was, it had to be at least five minutes where they were, they were watching. And I get that. I get that it was a close play and I get that you're trying to see is there evidence because you could kind of, you know, you could deduce that the puck was in the net, but the rule is you've got to see the puck in the net, which I have some problem with, but that that is what the rule book says, but they still took far too long. I feel like you have to just at some point make a decision and that's something that's happened to the NHL time and time again and why so many people call it a garage league. Like It, it isn't quite on the level of, of these other major professional sports leagues and never will because they do so many things that detract from the fan experience. You know, looking at the, uh, the replays the, or the, uh, the reviews, the offsides reviews or the goaltender interference reviews, is that really in the best interest of fans to be having – a three to five minute stoppage after a goal. And every time a goal scored, you've got to think in the back of your mind, oh, well, will this actually count? Let's wait and see. Was it offsides or is it going to get, is it going to get reviewed or challenged? And all this detracts from the enjoyment of watching the game. Like you can't fully celebrate a goal. Uh, so in terms of these three plays, probably the one I had the most problem with was the Bogosian penalty call. I thought that was just horrible. Uh, and there wasn't really an excuse for making that call. I I like making the same calls throughout the entire game, having consistency of officiating, but it's especially egregious when that happens with just over two minutes left. And basically, what you think at the time, it probably is going to cost the Sabres a chance at really having a realistic shot at, at tying the game. Of course, they almost ended up doing it. But 
Uh, the other two I can at least understand. Uh, I'm 100% with you there. Do you yeah. think Spezza flopped? I think he just slipped. I don't think it was intentional. As much as I want to say I think that Spezza was diving, um, I think he slipped and the and the the ref just blew the call. I think that's what happened there. It didn't look like it was intentional to me like he was he was trying to draw a call. Because I think even as a player, you don't think that that call is going to get made at that point, even if you do fall. I remember my girlfriend looked at me. She's like, "How? What? What was that penalty?" I go, "I don't know." He put his hands on his hips and pushed him over. Pushed him over, and the guy tripped. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, that was uh, that was pre- that was my biggest problem with that too. Was that Bogosian call? I don't know how any referee in his clear mind that knows the sanctity of hockey and what this what this sport means to this fans these fans to make that call to decide the game like that that really decided the game i think the sabers would have had a, a a very good chance of scoring if that penalty was never called oh yeah well i mean they were they had all the momentum going their way they had they had thoroughly outplayed the stars throughout pretty much the entire period and you would have had at least a minute and a half probably of, of having your goaltender pulled and a, and a six on five advantage. But instead you've got to pull your goalie. They don't even think, I don't even think they got him out of the net until there was less than 45 seconds left. And then you're, you're playing five on five at that point. And that's far different from having an extra guy to, to win a puck battle in the corner or an extra guy to, to overmatch them in front of the net. So that was just really frustrating. That was like I said, I think the most egregious thing. We can discuss the other two. I mean, Sabres fans seem to be pretty sure that the other two calls should have been both called goals. And I can understand it, but I can also understand the perspective of the officials. It was called no goal on the ice. The rule is you've got to have clear evidence that the puck is in the net. And I'm not sure if I saw clear evidence on the replays of seeing the puck in the net. I could deduce definitely on the first one that the puck was in the net. But the second one, the the one that you could see the puck most clearly, it's coming from the back. And I know you made this point, I think, in a text to me, how weird just the replays and the camera angles are just in Dallas as a whole. Yeah. So you'll probably want to touch the, on that. But setup's terrible. That one, yeah, yeah. It, it's not coming from the, from the crossbar. So, of course, from the angle, you can probably deduce that the puck was in the net, but you can't tell it. You can't tell it uh, 100%. Yeah, and you know with today with today's modern technology, they should have a freaking GoPro or whatever on on every and every angle in that net. Um, you know why not? If you're gonna re- take the time to review it, why not do it correctly? If you're gonna have a coach's challenge, if you're gonna do this, you know get ha- have the have have it so there's enough evidence for it to be sufficient. Is all I'm saying. Um, I loved it in the World Cup of Hockey where the refs had GoPros on their helmets. So you knew what they were looking at when they made a call. Um, I, you know, technology's there, so why not use it? Um, I well, you see I, it with I, the go- oh. go, go ahead. Go Sorry. Ahead. I was going to say, I know that I, uh, this is related to that point. I know that we had said to each other that if you're going to decide to go down that, go down that path where you're going to have reviews and, and all of this, then go there a hundred percent. Use the technology that you have. Don't don't play this middle game where you're kind of like trying to toe the line. Like, yeah, we're still traditional, but now we've got these reviews and everything else. Go one way or the other. If you're going to go that way, make it accurate. If you're going to go the review route, 
If you're going to slow down the game in that way, make it accurate at the very least. Or if you're going to go the traditional route, go that route. Don't have the reviews. Let human error, you know, play its role. Absolutely. Um, but I hate just the standing in the middle kind of uh, trying to appease both crowds at the same time. I, I think it's the worst of all paths. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I, I couldn't have said it better, Mark. Um, yeah, so and just even that game was hard for me to watch, even just as looking at Dallas's, uh, you know, gameplay camera from the side. It was it was up a little high, and it just watching that angle kind of hurt my eyes. Just trying to watch it, it was it was really odd to me. I don't know. How, how you felt about it. You've actually been in the stadium before, Mark. Um, is it is it that much bigger that they need a different camera uh, angle? Or is, what's up with that? I don't think so. Nothing struck me about the arena as being as being different. I I wasn't looking. It's possible that maybe, you know, maybe the press box is higher than it is in some other arenas. Um, but there was nothing about watching it in the arena that, that really made me think any differently and I was up as high as you could possibly be in that arena uh repping my Jack Eichel jersey to a to a Red Wings Stars game but uh (laughs) cheap tickets I kind of envy people living in those in those southern cities where you can go to a game for five to ten bucks pretty much any game unless it's you know Sidney Crosby coming to town or something yeah forget that anyways (laughs) (laughs) Probably something you got to see at least once, you know, yeah. no matter how you feel about the guy. Yeah. So, um, it was nice. It, it was nice that, um, we, you mentioned earlier that we we could bring McCabe and, uh, Josh George's back into this lineup. Um, this has been a, 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 a focal point of me watching the Sabres these last couple of weeks is since McCabe's been out, what are the Sabres going to do defensively? And, uh, I, they uh they decided to keep Falk up and they sent uh Taylor Fadoon back down to Rochester. Um Fadoon looked like a, a guy that I've been very high on all all season long since he's came up uh with his puck moving ability and his uh, uh his ability to join the offensive uh play, but he had looked terrible defensively these last few games. Uh were you surprised at all to see Fadoon get sent back down? Well, I don't believe he was. Isn't he just scratched? Was he scratched? I thought he got sent. Because I down. thought he had to go back if he was going to be sent down. I thought he'd have to go back through waivers. Oh so I yeah, think he, he's. He, I think he, he's he the odd man scratched. out now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's right. the same. Am I surprised that he was the odd man out? Basically, um, I thought he would probably stay in over Falk, just for speed purposes, because that back end, that Georges Falk pairing. They're going to get caught flat-footed. That's a that's a not a good skating pair whatsoever. Um, and then you know you have Cody Franson on the back end as well, who's not fleet-footed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought kind of just for that reason, you would have Fadoon in there. We've talked about him. I think he is pretty flawed in his own end. Fadoon is. And he's always going to struggle that way because he can just be physically overmatched by most forwards in the NHL with ease basically so that's why I don't think he's ever going to be a 
you know, a bona fide top six defenseman, but he does bring certain skills to the table, the puck moving and, and skating ability that other guys don't, that, you know, that Georges doesn't bring to the table, that Falk doesn't bring to the table. Uh, so I was a little surprised by that. I, I, I thought we would see a, a Georges Fadoon pairing possibly. I did want to talk about two. Every that. man's dream. Yeah. Georges <laughs> <laughs> Fadoon. Um, but just, but just to add, uh, real quick, I did listen to the pregame, uh, show of Coach Bilesma yesterday uh, on the way home from work. And Bilesma did say uh, the factor of scratching Fadoon compared to uh, uh, Falk was that Falk has spent more time on the right-handed side of defense than Fadoon has this year. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's how it is because now with bringing back McCabe and uh, Georges, you actually have more left-handed defensemen in the lineup than right-handed defensemen. It's a, a problem that they haven't had to have this year yet. So that that was Bilesma's uh, hmm. point. That's interesting because that. Fadoon is right-handed. Yeah, and that's and that's what I thought too. But so when Falk and Fadoon um, are playing together, I I I mean. I guess I can't say this with 100% confidence that it was Falk on the left side because he's a lefty and Fadoon is on the right side because he's a righty. And then I thought it would make sense when Georges comes back, have Georges and Fadoon lefty and righty third pairing. But I guess got to gotta take the coach's word for it on that one. Maybe they were playing yeah. inverted. I don't know. Maybe, 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 know, maybe they're more maybe. comfortable on their offhand sides. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure, but that's that's how I remember Bilesman saying it. I could be wrong, uh, <laughs> but that's what uh, I remember hearing yesterday. Interesting, interesting. Um, I did want to say, too, that I thought it was kind of surprising. Alexei Marchenko was waived by the Red Wings and uh, that the Sabres didn't decide to, to claim him. Uh I'm not saying he's anything special, but I've got to think he's probably an upgrade over Falk or Fadoon. And I, I I wouldn't mind really keeping eight defensemen either. I know that the cap issues kind of probably preclude them from wanting to keep another extra player up with the NHL team, but I thought that was surprising. He made it all the way down to Toronto, and Toronto picked him up and then waved Frankie Corrado. But Marchenko's proven that he can be a solid third-pairing defenseman at the least. He's very cheap. So, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I was surprised that uh, the Red Wings waved him in the first place, actually, when I saw that. I'm like, wow. And then he, and then he goes to Toronto. I'm like, of course. He just stays right in the, the division. <laughs> yeah. So, that was interesting. Yeah, it's not something I'm going to lose sleep over the Sabres not getting. But when we yeah. hammered on them for defensive depth and how they don't have other options for a guy who – you know, at least for stretches of time, has looked NHL capable. And, you know, Wings fans, I, I was reading a lot of what they were saying about him. I, I get to watch a decent amount of the Wings because Natty is a Wings fan. But, you know, they were saying he's got his flaws. He's not physical. Um, he's not a tremendous skater or anything. But he's at least steady, and he's not going to make a lot of mistakes. And I would take that at this point, you know, a 25-, 26-year-old guy that's that's safe. <laughs> over some of the other options that we have down in the minors. But probably not worth us talking about any more than that. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. interesting. Um, I thought um, it's always fun. Last night I uh, I rather enjoyed uh, – I rather enjoyed um, 
Justin Bailey coming back into the lineup. He's always a great addition to watch come back and, and play at this uh, level. Just the speed. Uh, he had a few uh, uh, rushes down the down the boards uh, last night that you know just gets you out of your seat and get, gets you uh, excited to see what's coming. It's, he's such a fast, strong player. Uh, something that the Sabres could use. I thought that he had a pretty good game last night. Uh, he was uh, on the on the ice twice for the Sabres last night, at least that I know of. That when he scored, when uh, the Sabres scored uh, on the Oposo goal. And on the Reinhardt goal, I believe, or the Felino goal. Yeah, inside. yeah, got a few yeah. shifts with the with the Eichel Reinhardt uh, pairing, and yeah, I liked what he brought too. He definitely stood out. His speed always does tend to stand out. I don't really think he should go back down. I don't want to see somebody like Tyler Ennis, who's been largely ineffective, basically being gifted ice time in the top nine when you've got somebody that's come up and shown that he can at least stand out a little bit. So I, I don't really want to see him sent back down when Carrier's healthy. Carrier's been very similarly impactful, and uh, I don't want those guys being sent back down if they can come up here and show that they can make an impact in the top nine. And I think Bailey's started to show you know, late in his last call-up and then in this game that I think he can do that, and he doesn't have to be relegated to the fourth line. Yeah. And I don't. I, I honestly don't. I've been thinking this uh, for a week or so now. That I don't see the Sabers really getting good in, into that playoff conversation until they drop some of this dead weight and let some of these guys like Bailey get in the mix. And uh, you know when when um, when uh, we got uh, when we got Neilander coming in uh, that and uh, guys like Asplund too. You know and Gooley. I think that's when we're going to be in that mode of. Hey, we're we're the Buffalo Sabers, and this is our rebuild. Instead of uh, you know having Matt Molson and Josh Georges and uh, Tyler Ennis and dead weight, in my opinion, on the team. Yeah, definitely. Well, and even if next year, if we're talking about, so next year will be the third year of Reinhardt and Eichel's entry level deals when they're still going to be cheap before the Sabers have to really pay them. So if we're looking at next year as a year where, you know, maybe they can spend some extra money and try to make a run, it becomes even that much more important to drop some of this dead weight and to have other cheap players come in and be able to fill in these these spots that need to be filled and kind of be those glue guys. And Carrier's already come in and shown that he can do that, that he's going to be one of those types of players. And then Bailey, I think with a real shot down the stretch here, I think he could carve out a similar type of niche and they could go into next year knowing, okay, Justin Bailey is going to be able to fill this particular role in our top nine. So I think, I think it's hugely important to to get him as much time as possible down the stretch here. And I think trading somebody like Giantha would open up just another, you know, another spot if they do decide to sell at uh, at the deadline. That opens up just another opportunity for Bailey. And you know, Baptiste probably could get a probably get a, another shot as well up here yeah definitely uh he, he he's another guy that we could uh see being saber long term maybe uh it's a uh, it's definitely interesting i definitely liked watching um bailey up on the top two lines last night uh you know bailey uh i think it was maybe it was it was marty baron or or harabaray uh, mentioned during the game on the first goal last night with Oposo's uh, backhand shot 
in the top left-hand corner uh, for the first goal of the night. Bailey was on the ice, and Eric Carlson. Bailey got from the net and then came to went to the right of the goaltender where he carried Eric Carlson with him. So really opened up the front of the net for Oposo to score that first goal, which I thought, you know, it's a great uh, a great point of that of that play. Yeah, yeah, it shows some awareness too. I mean, you can see where Oposo is trying to go with the puck and it's I mean, it's kind of analogous to to basketball too. You would do the same thing, try to move to where not only are you opening yourself up in case Oposo was to try to pass the puck, but you're going to try to draw your defender away from the front of the net or from the basket if we're if we're drawing that analogy. And yeah, Oposo, once he beat his man, I forget who it was that he beat, but once he got a step on him, it was he, he could walk right to the front of the net, and then that backhand was beautiful. Yeah, yep, yeah, it was awesome. It was um, it was uh, a play that you usually like. I normally think of uh, Ryan O'Reilly making a play like that, uh, but the guys are too, those guys are so similar too, um, in my opinion, just in terms of puck and puck possession and uh, and uh, being a, a two way two way uh, offensive player. Definitely, definitely, and I think that uh, just to make one final point about Bailey is that's what they've said he's done at every level. It's taken him a little bit of time to adjust. And he's always had tremendous raw physical tools like in terms of being big and fast and got a nice shot, all, all those types of things. But it's taken him a little bit of time at each level to kind of figure out the speed of the of the level and to get his awareness up. And plays like that show that he's starting to get more and more comfortable at the NHL level knowing this is where you have to go. Because I think when a lot, when a lot of these guys first come up, they're thinking, they don't just do it naturally, you know, it, it's not it's not second nature to them yet, so they're going to be a split second behind because they've got to actually think about okay, this is what I need to do now rather than just doing it. And I think he's starting to get to that point where he does things instinctually rather than rather than just having to take that extra second or two to process it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that and that's what uh, separates some players from others. Uh, having that natural that uh, having the knowing where the puck is on the ice and knowing how to draw a defender away from another are to get into open zones. It's a, it it can mean a difference. Some players have some players don't. Definitely. And it's amazing how big of a difference split seconds can play in the NHL when the game is so fast, when it's as fast as it is. Yeah. That's why we all love it. Um, so that, so it was a great showing last night for uh, the Sabers. Um, one one uh, one uh, interesting game uh, was a uh, Thursday night against the Rangers. Uh, you know, a three goal game. Uh, Cody Franson goal with about five minutes left for the Sabers to tie it up. Um, that's another game that Robin Leonard. Really stood on his head for the Sabers. Uh, he um, he he definitely gets uh, a good team too. You know, putting up uh, putting up uh, a a point nine five five save percentage, uh, forty two saves on forty four shot attempts, and uh, you know got left out hanging the dry at the end of that game by uh, like you said Eichel not getting back on Kreider where Kreider scores on that. Uh, 
on that uh, backdoor sh- pass. So, um, I thought that Leonard looked extremely good in this game, and you know he's he's just making his contracts up at the end of this year, uh, and the Sabers are gonna decide: Are we gonna pay him uh, big, uh, big, uh, big money to be a number one for us? Is you know it looks like he's the number one now, but. Uh, you don't want to give uh, get wrapped up into a giving money to a guy who has injury problems. Do you think uh, bring it resign Leonard long term is a good idea for the Sabers? Um, I think I'm going to stick with my position. I know we talked about this. I don't know if it was last podcast or a couple podcasts ago, but uh, I think a bridge deal probably makes most sense from both sides. Give Leonard another year to prove he can stay healthy. Um, and then for the Sabres, it protects them from, you know, from giving him a long-term deal. And then he happens to get hurt or he falls into more bad Leonard than good Leonard because you still have this this inconsistency from him where he looks like a world beater for stretches of games. And then he has several bad games in a row. And that, that Rangers game was, I think, a great example of him being very in control. And when you've got a goaltender as big as he is, he's pretty athletic. When he's in control of himself and he's controlling rebounds, it's very difficult to beat him unless you get a shot like that Kreider shot where no goaltender is going to save that. A guy, you know, winding up and, and firing a, uh, you know, firing a slap shot as hard as he can when the goaltender has to try to make his way across the crease. Nobody's going to save that. Uh, but I, I'm still on the bridge deal side, I think, from a Sabres perspective. And for Leonard, too, I think it's probably best for him to try to play lights out for another year and get a better long-term deal than what he would get this offseason. What are what are your opinions on this? Um well, as of now, it's easy to say that you know, Leonard's been good. I've one thing that has drove me nuts this season of talking to other Sabres fans is the hatred that some of these Sabres fans hold for Robin Leonard. It's uh confused me. Uh I have a few friends that you know said, "Oh, Leonard's garbage." I think it's just, uh, I think it's just hatred because of Murray bringing him in for that first round pick. People can't let go of that first round pick for Leonard and David Legwan uh, two years ago on the jet, right before the Jack Eichel draft. Uh, I think Leonard's been good. I mean, he's what twenty six years old. I, I'm not. Don't quote me on that, but it's 25, 26 years old. I'm, pretty sure and uh he um you know this is when goaltenders really start to blossom i think i'd i'd like to see him at a bridge deal like a two-year deal but uh i would be i i wouldn't be too mad at you know a three or four year deal as long as the money's right i think you're 100 percent correct on i think a lot of people are having difficulty separating the trade from the player and you can hate the trade and still believe in the player or still like the player. And I think that's kind of where I am at this point. I'm never going to like that trade because I thought it was horrible value at the time. I'm going to continue to think it's horrible value. Uh, But I'm not going to allow my opinion of Leonard to be dragged through the mud because of what we traded to get him. You know, that's done. It's a sunk cost. You can no longer factor that into your decision now as to is Leonard worth keeping moving forward. So I 100% agree with you. I think that's what that's what's happening to a lot of people, and I think they think for their opinion of the trade being bad, 
for that to be validated that Leonard also has to be bad. So they almost they're almost rooting against him because they don't like that trade. And I don't think that's the right way to go about things. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. It, it all depends on the money, like you said. And if they can get him locked up three or four years at a, at a fair price, I I don't think I would be angry. I don't know what that fair price would be, though. If we're in like the what three to four million dollar range, that's probably pretty doable. Um, but I don't really know what the market for goaltenders is going to look like this year. It's always so difficult to predict. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and like we talked about podcasts ago, which is, you know, there's there's a handful, you know, maybe less than a handful of class one goalies in this league. So, um, you know, Leonard, you know, he, Leonard can be in the that second to third tier. Um, if you look at his save average uh, compared to some of the other goalies in the league this year, uh goals against uh his numbers actually look pretty good compared to all the other number one goalies in this league uh he's up higher on the list i think most sabers fans that would complain about him would be surprised i don't have the exact numbers in front of me but um uh, if i threw out some yeah, i think names, i remember looking at it, i think he was at what 2.54 goals against average something like that and i think a 923 save percentage which are pretty good numbers i you can't if anybody had told you those would be Robin Leonard's numbers coming into the year, I would love to find the person that would have been complaining about that. So goaltending really isn't the issue on this team. There are far bigger issues, but the goaltender is always the first person that I think a lot of casual fans will blame, especially when we were spoiled for so long with such strong goaltending play. I mean, our generation grew up watching Dominic Hasek play where you could put any team in front of him and they're going to be competitive. And then we had Ryan Miller for years who – was a very good goaltender as well. So I think that might be part of it as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, you ready for a wild card question here? I had someone bring this to me. Yeah, go for it. I had someone bring this to me. Uh, and uh, It's an intriguing topic. Um, I didn't bring it up to you before, our, uh, before the podcast, but uh, I had a friend of mine come up to me and said, listen, dude, we need to put Jack Eichel on the wing and uh, let him just play offense since his defensive game's been so bad and have Ryan, uh, Sam Reinhart uh, center Eichel. Um, I think it's a, I, I, at first, I, you know, but my, my, my first thought is no, you know, Eichel center, you know, like, and then I'm like, am I too hung up on Eichel be, playing center? Am I, you know, his defensive play hasn't been that much. We'll give him Playing wing would give him more room to, uh, to uh, you know, skate with the puck, get that, get get a pass and uh, be explosive and just be all offense like Eichel kind of is most of the time. Uh, I thought Eichel, this being said, I thought Eichel looked really good last night. Um, he usually always looks good against Ottawa, which, which is weird. But uh, he always seems uh, he looked really good. He was all over the ice. He was I making saw you'll like plays. this. Somebody. Yeah, go ahead. Somebody edited. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you like this. But somebody edited uh, Eichel's Wikipedia page and and made him the owner of the Ottawa Senators. So like it said, <laughs> if you googled Ottawa Senators owner, it brought up Jack Eichel's Wikipedia page. Thank you. I thought you'd like that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Wikipedia uh, members. And, uh, that's funny. That's good. But Sorry, yeah. I didn't want to interrupt your point, but I thought that was worth throwing. In no, no, it's all good. That I like that. It's, it was worth it. Um. 
But, uh, so, we got a, so, the question was, what do you think about, my, the answer to my friend's question was, first is, no, and then, and, like, 30 seconds later, I'm like, well, maybe I'd be intrigued by this idea, uh, just to see, you know, I mean, there's plenty of elite goal scorers and playmakers that could play center, but play wing with some really good centers. Like, you know, Patrick Kane plays uh, wing. Uh, we got Philippe Forsberg plays wing. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, these are all kind of guys that you could consider to be pretty uh, pretty similar to Jack Eichel. Uh, do you have a feeling about on this, Mark? I actually read an extended conversation online about this same topic, and I think the arguments in favor of it are, are pretty strong because if you looked at when Reinhardt w- was playing center out of necessity, he was, by the end of that stretch, he was very productive at center. And I know we talked about it, that he was starting to look like he turned the corner as a center because he had struggled quite a bit, which makes sense. I think a lot of guys that come into the league playing center for the first time, it's difficult and it's easier to adjust to wing than it is to center. But you take that in concert with Eichel getting lost sometimes defensively, and it continues to happen. It's obviously well worth his dynamic offensive ability. But that's one thing they have not tried. They really have not tried putting Eichel on the wing at all and see if maybe he adjusts to that position better. And you can try to play to both of those players' strengths. Have Reinhardt be in the middle of the ice and be able to distribute the puck more from the center Um I would love to see how Eichel adjusts his game on the wing. I don't think we really know how he would do it and how his game would change. But I, I think it's worth a shot. You know, if we're going in evaluation mode down the stretch, maybe that's the best way for Reinhardt and Eichel to play with each other. They'd still be with each other, but maybe maybe switch them around. Uh, so I, I'd be in favor of at least giving it a shot, I think. Yeah, my uh, and that's what my, bu- my buddy said that brought it to me. He said, they've tried everything else. Why not? <laughs> and I just like, I'm like, yeah, you know. But I guess I I don't want to spoil Jack too much, but I want it to be, you know, I don't want this move to uh, fluster him. And he just seems like it, this could be something that could really get on his nerves, you know, uh, wanting to be that true centerman. Uh, that's kind of the with the chip on his shoulder. That's the kind of guy Jack is, in my mind, at least. That was the first thing that crept into the back of my mind too when I first heard about it or when I first was reading this conversation and kind of considering it. Um, how would he respond to it? Because there is there is prestige there being a center in the NHL. And there is, whether deserved or not, there is centers are here or up on a pedestal a little bit above wingers. And people always say that, you know, the center's, are the backbone of your team. And they don't say the same thing about wingers. I'm not saying that's necessarily completely deserved or undeserved, but I can see how how he could take that as as an insult to, to have to move to wing. I think he's a, he's a good enough team guy, though, and he wants to win that he's not going to, to resist it in public or anything. But I could see how he could react negatively to it. Well, yeah, and well, Stam, the same thing happened to Stamkos uh, at one point. And Stamkos... Uh... Uh, I know Babcock even did it to him in the in the Olympics, or I think it was the Olympics uh, on Team Canada. I wanted the Team Canada teams, 
but uh you know, he, he wants to, Sam Coast wants to play center. We talked about it, uh, well, you talked about it in the summertime in free agency. Sam Coast wants to play center. Tampa Bay doesn't always play him at center. But, hey, what did Sam Coast do? He came back and signed a, a good contract for the team because he wanted to be on that team. So, well, it's interesting. Yeah, I think it's one of those things if it works, then he'd have no choice but to completely buy in. And I don't want this to be like a rest of season thing. Like, okay, Reinhardt and Eichel are switching, and that's how it's going to be for the last 30 games of the season. But if they do it for five games and they're more productive than they were in the past and they're they're more productive as a team and they're winning more games, I don't know how Eichel, you know, a guy that gets so angry after losses, could possibly want to resist that. I I would hope, if he is the player that we think he is, that he'd – much rather win than have his coveted center spot. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. Definitely. Um I thought that was a interesting topic too. Definitely yeah, and something probably to keep keep revisiting going forward because you do see gaps in the defensive zone from from Eichel quite a bit. He's not still not comfortable at that end as dynamic as he can be offensively, um, not seeing a ton of progress from him on the on the defensive end. It might have been uh, him on the James Neal goal in uh, Nashville, too, that he just came in. James Neal, one of the best goal scorers in the league, comes in and has fed the puck in the middle of the ice all by himself. And no sen- And I think it was Jack. I, I can't I – can't, I, my memory serves me correctly. It was Eichel that didn't get back in time to take, take Neil out of the play to, for him to walk in uncovered and uh, get a goal underneath Robin Leonard's uh, uh, right arm. Yeah, I, I think I think that's correct. I know the goal that you're talking about. It was like a four-on-three, and then Magosian got caught in front with two guys coming down full speed at him, and he just stood there and like screened, uh, screened Leonard. The worst possible decision he could have made, probably. But I can understand you're kind of caught flat-footed there. I don't know what to. I don't know what decision to make. Either one is bad. But yeah, it'll it'll continue to be a progress with him. And I I tend to err toward the side of wanting him to just learn it at center, just keep the reps going, keep getting him out there in in all types of situations, and he'll figure it out over time. But I'm also not averse to experimenting when this team needs to experiment. So I can't say I'm I'm fully on one side or the other. Um, I I I, I agree. Uh, it would be interesting if it comes up for sure. Um, well, um, you got we got uh this the Sabres got uh the Sabres got. Uh, a West Coast, some West Coast games coming up. Uh, well, we got we got Nashville, uh, not Nashville. I'm sorry, the Devils tomorrow in New Jersey, and then we got the Sharks and the Ducks come into town, and then we got we go to Montreal on Saturday. After that, uh, four games that. Uh, you know, the Sabres could really, uh, if they can come and compete and uh, steal a couple of these games, you know, steal a game from Montreal, I mean, from Toronto, um, steal a game from the Sharks or the Ducks, 
and beat devil and beat the devils we're three out of four I, i'd be pretty happy uh with that uh, get us more in the more where we need to be in points um boston is sitting with five games more four more games more played than us and they only have two more games for the rest two no four more games for the rest of the the month i think actually so uh it's a way that the Sabres can maybe jump up in the standings if, if Boston goes down and loses some ga- these uh, few games they have left this month. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the the Devils and Leafs, those two games are going to be hugely important because the rest of the month they play a ton of games against Western Conference teams, and the Devils and Leafs are two teams that they're – it looks like they're going to have to pass if they want to make the playoffs. So – those two games especially are important. Maple Leafs, you always circle on the schedule, regardless really of the standings, but it's made that much more important because of the two teams' relative spots in the standings. And then they play the Senators again on Valentine's Day. But besides that, every other game um, that I see like in the next 10-game stretch is against the Western Conference because you have the Sharks and Ducks this week, two tough teams. You have the Canucks on the 12th. Avalanche on the 16th, and you got Blues, Blackhawks, Avalanche, Coyotes, Predators. So you don't have a lot of these games against the teams in front of you to try to gain points because those games become that much more important. They're really, you can have a four point swing in those games, but not in those Western Conference games. So those two I'll be, I'll be watching out for. I hate Sabres Devils games always. That's probably the most boring team. For the Sabres to play, it's always two to one or one to nothing. I feel like um, the Devils always have the responsible type of team. They're good at keeping scores low. The Sabres do the same thing most of the time, so it's always a, a snoozer. And years years with the Devils with that trap, but the trap uh, them playing the trap it's just been so boring. I remember going to a Devils uh, a Devil Sabres game. And there was this, it was, there was these, I was sitting behind this group of old people that all knew each other. Like, I'm saying old, they were probably like 60, and this was probably 10 years ago. And every, and every, like, the, say, out of the 15 people that were there, 14 of them had a Diamond Hashik jersey on, and one had a Brodeur jersey on. And I remember everyone taking pictures of it and uh, them posing for photos and stuff. I, I don't know who these people were, but uh, it was definitely interesting. <laughs> huge uh, goaltender cool. fans yeah yeah and i'm and i'm thinking we should set all these jerseys on fire <laughs> but not really um but uh um yeah but yeah with them i mean they've at least they've gotten away from that trap style a little bit it's been more i think the construction of their roster just how it's been set up and they have a really good goalie in in schneider um, but i think it's been because they just haven't had a lot of elite offensive talent that They've tended to play a low-scoring type of style. Yeah, they did get Taylor Hall, which that'll be kind of fun. Was to, that'll be fun to a watch. Nice pickup, uh, Hall and yeah. Eichel. Uh, yeah, you know, that'll be fun to watch. Uh, but you the know, Sabers do tend to do well too against uh, West Coast teams at home. So having the Sharks and Ducks at home, even though those are two very good teams, I'm not feeling horrible about about their chances. I I, I would expect the Sabers at least pick up one of one of those games. Um, who it's against it either way it would be nice it would be cool to go out thursday and go see the go see the ducks play um see ryan gets see Corey perry 
Ryan Kessler. I mean, that's a that's a if you get if the tickets are cheap. I th- I encourage Sabres fans to go out there and watch that game. Let's see. I'm doing a quick look up to look to see what we're looking at in terms of ticket prices. Maybe we can give some ticket advice too. That could be part of our preview for the upcoming week, the ticket yeah. price preview. Yeah, yeah um, I like that idea. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Currently, tickets for the Sharks and Sabres from $13. Wow. See, if so you, you might have to go Tuesday and Thursday. If you live in the city of Buffalo and you're not going to these games, I don't know what you're doing with your life. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, to go see two these two teams play for that cheap, I mean, you're, watching, you're seeing some excellent hockey players out there, you know, on both teams. You know, so you know we're talking Pavelski, we're talking, we're talking Brett Burns. We, you know we we got some real good talent out there uh, coming into Buffalo. I think if you're in Buffalo, you should be going to those games. So you can get two tickets for twelve ninety five a piece. They're of course in the nosebleeds, but to the Sharks game, and then you can turn right around and on Thursday go to get two tickets in the three hundreds to the Ducks game for thirteen ninety nine each, plus fees. So. You can see both these games. You can probably get a beer each at both of them, probably all for a hundred bucks or so. Yeah, and maybe split a sandwich down in the cellar at uh, down in the basement of uh, um, Pearl Street Pub. You know, those they make some hefty sized sandwiches there. Uh, definitely split where you get the street brawl. Definitely. Um, definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised they're that cheap. I get they're not on a weekend, but yeah. Of course, I'm earlier in this episode. I'm denigrating Southern cities for having such cheap tickets, and then I go and look at Sabres tickets. <laughs> yeah, embarrassingly cheap. Not, not, I can't see Minnesota and Winnipeg play. tickets out here are so expensive that Winnipeg Winnipeg tickets are ridiculous. So we we haven't gone to games in either city yet, even though we're kind of right in between Winnipeg and Minneapolis, St. Paul. Yeah. Well. Um, but, you got any, got anything more you want to add uh, before we uh, sign off here, Mark? Um, I don't think so. Did the did the preview coming up for the week? I think we kind of hit on hit on all the all the important players. So I think I think that's about it from my end. Anything else from you? Uh, not that I can think of. That I already threw my wild ball, my wild uh, wild card question at you with uh, Michael on the wing and. Uh, I'm excited to see what uh, these next four games uh, play out for the Sabres this week. Uh, four games this week, uh, we could uh, maybe if we can win three out of four, I'm going to be quite the happy camper on su- next Sunday when we uh, can get hopefully when we can get back together on our podcast. Yeah, yeah, it could be, you know, it could heavily sway kind of which way we're talking about the Sabres. We could be pretty sure that they're going to be sellers next week, or we could be talking about better playoff chances so should be interesting and do you know your uh, your schedule next week sunday uh um, yeah sunday i will be available till seven o'clock okay fantastic so we should be able to do another one sunday barring anything unforeseen because i'll be free during that time too so looking forward to it and hopefully we see some good hockey this week absolutely uh thank you sabers fans for uh listening to us today uh it's been a pleasure uh as always.